you didn't want to pepper those in because you know that you would hear the yes you didn't, get I it. didn't want the buzzer definitely not Are you up for the challenge? Welcome to the 34th episode of the 313 Challenge. I'm your host, Ryan Fullen, and I'm here to challenge you to keep things simple and powerful. Can you boil down your messaging to three sentences? How about down to one sentence? And ultimately, can you do it in just three words? This is exactly what I've challenged people just like you to do throughout my career as a speaker and a consultant around the world, and now I've brought the 313 Challenge from the stage to the studio. This week's guest is Siobhan McHale, and she's here to transform your culture. Join us as I put her in the 313 hot seat. Now, in all transparency, we just met, so we're going to get to know her along with you. Welcome to the show, Siobhan. How are you? Really well. Thank you, Ryan. And you've, you've, uh, you've traveled here all the way from Australia, I hear. Yes, I'm in Melbourne, Australia, down under, where it's morning time here. Excellent. Well, it is uh, approaching the evening here, and whoever is listening, wherever you are, happy morning, afternoon, or evening. So uh, to kind of get the show kicked off, I always like to get to know people a little bit. So before you're officially in the hot seat for the 313 Challenge, if I asked you to take a story from your past. It could be any time in your past. And I know that you're a storyteller. Just because when we talked earlier, you said, I've got tons of stories. So what is one story that you could pull off the shelf and share a moment in time or a situation that if you could take just that situation, it's kind of a representative of, of who you are like, as a person. Uh, we, we would be able to learn about you from that. What's a story that comes to mind? I'd probably go back to Ireland to my childhood where I grew up in a little village called Fenay with um, the river Innie running through the fields and beyond the swaying cypress trees in the back in the back of our big farmhouse and we had an idyllic childhood uh, but uh, we probably didn't realize that our parents didn't have it so good and I've really been very inspired by their mantra their mantra was to find your passion, see the world, make a difference. And those three mantras really inspired me to travel across four continents doing the work that I do, which is to try to make workplaces better and eventually ended up here in Australia. Okay. The way you describe the swaying trees and the babbling brooks, like I, I take it you have an affinity and appreciation for the nature side of things. Yes, very much. Yes, I grew up in the country and find it very um, energizing. And uh, we now own a seven and a half acre farm lit outside Melbourne, about an hour and a half outside of Melbourne, where I go to every weekend. And it really does recharge the batteries. Awesome. Well, from the little story that you mentioned there, uh, just the fact that you reflect back to not only a time in your youth where you sort of had this freedom and this ability to frolic in the fields and, and, and have adventurous, you were also very cognizant of your ignorance at the time, which is bliss in the fact that, you know, you didn't maybe realize that your parents were maybe struggling to get you in a spot where you didn't have to worry about these things. And 
it sounds like you took that advice that they gave to heart because I don't think somebody travels to Australia and travels around the world unless you're following the directions of your parents. You're like, go out there and explore and, and, and find out what life is about. So I feel like I know you a little bit more than I did a minute and a half ago. It's good. <laughs> okay. So as we get ready for the 313 challenge, uh, fundamentally it's based on the principle that I believe to be true. I think it's almost a universal uh, a law of nature, if, I, if you would go so far. And it's that I really don't think that we as humans care as much about what other humans do as much as we care about the problems that other people solve. Now, I, especially in a world of COVID-19, I want to say there's always empathy and there's always patience and there's always doing good and being kind and supporting all of humankind. This isn't saying anything contrary. It's mm. that I believe we fundamentally are more interested. We care more about the problems that people solve. That's what perks our ears, as opposed to somebody telling us exactly what they do. What are your mm. thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree. When you, when you say it, it makes so much sense. Although I think many of us frame our solutions in terms of our lens on those solutions rather than what impact they can have on other people and the problems that they solve for them. So it makes sense, but it's not necessarily common. So here's, here's a random pop question. What is one of the most classic questions that children are asked, maybe through middle school, maybe even in the high school, uh, what, what, what is a question that you think I'm thinking of right now that children are asked or that you ask children? Probably what do you want to do when you grow up? Yeah, right? We're not being asked and we're not asking, what problems do you want to solve when you grow up? Mm. Fundamentally, two different things. Absolutely. And if you asked a child, what problem do you want to solve in the world? They're not going to answer with a policeman or a fireman or a governor or the president. You challenge them to think like, what am I passionate about? What are, what are the problems that I see that I would be curious about solving? And you could solve the same problem as an elected official, as a fireman, as a teacher, as these different things. So I'm just passionate about helping people identify the importance of the problem that they solve. Because I see too many people limited by their job title. Your job title mm. is what you do. Mm. The problems that you solve within the job could be way different than what you're categorized as. Yeah, so, absolutely. I think we're on the same page with that because if you, if you fundamentally didn't believe that, then kind of it just takes the cuts off the whole three and three at the knees. It's like a fundamental, I keep going back to that. Yeah. Okay. Get it. So I also like to get a read of how much you know about this 313 method. Now, Peter Goral introduced you and, and he's, a, he's a big fan of it. So I'm sure you have an idea. But if you were going to share to a listener what the 313 method is, how would you describe it? Or do you still have no idea? Like in all transparency, <laughs> where are you at with it? Uh, I probably am quite aligned with you in your thinking because I do a lot of work with people around what is your role. If you had to boil it down to the essence of what is your role uh, within an organization, and that's not just your title or your described role. It's actually 
your role to, to deliver value, if you like. So I'd probably say that your methodology helps to get people to the essence of what is the impact of what they're doing and what difference will that make. I like how you said impact and value. And if you think in an organization, the highest impact that you can do and the best value that you can do is probably solve customers' problems or solve systems within the company to help deliver better service to the customers, right? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. I, yeah. I'm interested. I'm, I'm excited to, to draw you through this process. And, and you're exactly correct in that it, it's a, almost like Russian dolls that keep getting smaller and smaller. And I think that when we are forced to put parameters and put boxes around what we're allowed to say, it just challenges fundamentally the, the way that we think about how we communicate. And I think it's low hanging fruit once you sort of shake off the, the ways that you normally would do things. So as a result, as we work through the 313, my goal is to have you have an idea of how to ex explain what you do in three sentences and then one sentence and then three words. And those are like three different categories. So we're gonna focus Excellent. first on the three sentences. So I'm gonna ask you, to, I'm, everything's above board here. I'm gonna ask you, what is the problem that you solve? Then I'm gonna ask you, what is your solution? And then I'm gonna ask you, pro, uh, uh, what is your market? And if you're listening or you're, <laughs> you might think, those are the easiest questions to answer. Like, how can you not get confused by that? But I'm gonna warn you, don't confuse simple with easy. So, uh, I also have a buzzer uh, to, to indicate where maybe we fall off track or the box is broken. And I'll make sure to give you the parameters for it. And what, what value does this 313 have in the real world? It helps me to understand how I can help people. Because I believe the problem is that if you can't communicate, what you do, or if you can't communicate your value, if you can't communicate your idea, then all is not like, it's all about how you communicate it. So based on how you do through this process, it might tease out the need for digging into the problem or understanding your solution more or really narrowing down your market and getting to know that. So it's almost like a litmus test to find out where there might be some, some dry rot in your messaging. It might be there. It looks like it's a wall and then you go poke your finger in it. And you're like, that's, <laughs> that's dry rot. Okay. <laughs> so the first sentence of the first three sentences, can you state the problem that you solve a single problem? So the buzzer would sound if you say the problem is this and this and this and this, that's a mistake people usually make. I'm just asking for the biggest, the single biggest problem. And you really have to like eliminate stuff for that. And you're not allowed to have any mention of what you do. Because we already mentioned that nobody cares what you do. They care more about the problem. So there's value in explaining like the pure problem. So in one sentence, can you describe the one biggest problem that you solve without any mention of what you do? Okay. You're ready. My hands over the Okay. Okay, so the biggest problem that I solve is that culture, cultures that are not working optimally for businesses, so suboptimal cultures that are not productive and not agile. 
Okay, I didn't give you a buzzer because I didn't hear what you were doing to solve it, which is good. But I, I generally still was confused. So <laughs> <laughs> I heard subculture, I heard low performing. Maybe you can reframe that. And it sounded like there's a lot of elements to it. Yeah. So, so is it, it, it it's, a, it's a workplace culture that's not delivering the business results that you aspire to. Okay, that, that was more clear, <laughs> right? <laughs> and again, you, you did great. It, we're, we're putting you on the spot and it's not that you don't know this, it's just uh, kind of playing with it. So tell me why that's a big problem. So why it's a problem is that um, many leaders are wondering and grappling with why their organizations aren't firing on all cylinders. And they try to solve this with technical solutions. So they might try to put in a new IT system, a new process, a new um, procedure, but yet the underlying patterns within the workplace continue to cause noise and confusion and leakage of value. And often leaders at all levels don't have the tools to deal with those underlying patterns within the culture and to break them and to create more functional patterns. And I can give you many examples of that from my career over the past 30 years. Yeah. So it's a problem because leaders don't know how to change workplace culture faster and with less noise. Okay. So I will be very interested to have you listen back to the last three minutes because for just from what I heard, when you first tried to put it into a sentence, you decided to go over that sentence just to clarify. And, and for me, that was confusing. And then when I asked you to, to shorten it, you got shorter, which sort of made sense. But I really didn't understand why it was a problem. And when you described why it was a problem, I was like, whoa, whoa, like bing, bing, bing. All these things started to make sense. You mentioned leaders think they can fix culture with technology, but that doesn't solve the problem. You said that there's leakage of value, which I thought was a very interesting way to paint it. You talked about how the CEOs or the leadership were the ones that were maybe making these incorrect decisions. And so if I look at those things that like really kind of affected me as like, oh, I yeah, like actually I can see how that would be a problem. That was different than subpar performing teams. So I think that some of the things that maybe you could put into that one mm -hmm. sentence would be maybe the problem is when leaders try to fix cultural issues with technology. Like, well, it's not just technology. It might be processes, procedures, or technical fixes. So including okay. technology, but they might put a new remuneration or pay system in. They might put a new policy in. They might send everybody off on a training course to give them financial skills, but they're not actually addressing the underlying cultural issues that are causing the noise. And that noise keeps coming back and returning. Okay. So you've exposed an inherently challenging problem with describing the problem. And what I'm hearing is that there are multiple problems. 
which inherently makes it very difficult to have an answer that just has one problem, right? Yes. Like, just take everything else out. And like, it's a challenge to take all these different problems that you mentioned. But Ryan asked me for one. And so Mm -hmm. there's a trick that you can use to still communicate one problem, but articulate why it's a problem by mentioning the other problems as a resulting problem of the original problem. Now I know that didn't make sense, but here's the, here's the difference. Will you give me three of the problems that are just easy that I can remember for an example? Yeah. So if your work workplace can't deliver, grow, or adapt because you don't have the right culture. So the culture is not enabling you to deliver, to grow, or to adapt in your workplace. Okay. That's the problem. (laughs) The the problem. But, but But here's the thing. If you asked me, Uh, or if I told you the problem is that that you don't like when culture is not correct or the problem is that when culture is not correct, the right culture is not there, then you can't deliver, you can't grow and you can't adjust. If I asked you, is that a problem? You technically cannot answer because I gave you three. The meta problem is, do you have the right culture? And then underneath that, the, the three pillars of that are the culture that can deliver your results, that can grow market share and grow into new markets and can adapt and be resilient in turbulent times. Okay. That's the unpacking of the, the one big problem, which is the right culture. <laughs> so a trick to communicating all of that so it still feels like one problem because if you would have, your, your second attempt at the sentence, which was the shortest and it made sense, I still didn't really understand why that was a problem. And yes, I understand I that you, you didn't want to pepper those in because you know that you would hear the... Yes, you didn't get I it. didn't want the buzzer. Definitely not. So, so here's a trick for, <laughs> for you and, and for anybody listening. Using the words, which results in to bridge the two. So if you took that first sentence and you said the problem or the biggest problem is not having the right culture, which results in Mm. not being able to deliver, not being able to grow and not being able to adjust. Yes. If then you said, Ryan, is that a problem? My mind goes to the root problem, which is not having the right cultural fit. Yes, that's a problem, but I'm not technically answering the others because the other, that's, that's the, the blood behind the problem. Detail. That makes so much sense. Yes. Yeah. And so, especially if you know who you're talking to, granted, like if you're talking to somebody who's a bit more of your market than somebody not, or you know a little bit more about them or you can research, you could then tailor that to the big problem that you think they have, which results in pain one broken arm two, collarbone that got snapped three, and it has a better chance of resonating than if you just did that top level because he's probably heard it or he doesn't want to acknowledge it or she doesn't want to be aware of it. I really connect with that. And the distinction that I think I'm bringing in 
the book that I've written, The Insider's Guide to Culture Change, is that culture is not uh, just about employee engagement. So this is my big thing. We've got to bring a more commercial lens to culture. It's not just about are people happy, are people engaged, what's the employee experience about. Of course, that's vital, but it's not the only element of culture. The right culture has to deliver on the business and commercial imperatives, which is about delivering, growing, and adapting as a business, especially in COVID times uh, where we have to be resilient, we have to adjust. So that's, you know, that for me, it's been very helpful just talking it through because I think that's where I'm bringing distinctions around a commercial lens to workplace culture. Now let's go one step deeper. If you took the, the concept of delivery, can you give me three sub-problems within delivery that would resonate? If you don't deliver because it's not the right cultural fit, you just give me three examples of what, just high level, what would, what would the blood be around that? The, the blood around delivery is that you're not actually going to achieve your financial targets. You're not going to deliver on your customer targets. You're not going to deliver on your promises to your broader stakeholders and your community. So it's okay. really Okay, so, so, so let's say those three, right? <laughs> and the, the point is that within each problem, there are sub-problems, and you can break those yes. problems out into more problems. And the more specific you can get with the problem, the more it really might resonate with the person that has that problem. So you could now take this concept and let's say that you had an inclination that the person that you're talking to or the company that you're presenting to had a delivery issue, and you know that culture could fix it, right? You can see the reviews, you can see the stock, it's a public company, you you have an idea. You could then, if somebody asked, what do you do? You could say, well, you know, it's not the, it's not what I do. It's a lot of people that do what I do. But the problem that I solve is that when there's not a right fit culturally, it results in financial loss, customer loss, and your inability to serve your board and your stakeholders like they deserve. So it's taking that structure and now mm-hmm. you're just, the still the problem is the cultural fit. Yes, but you're making it more granular and more tailored to the problems that they need solving. Because the other thing is I'm actually the CHRO at a um, Australian-based paints company called Dulux Group. So I'm not actually out there as a consultant trying to solve problems, but I do have a passion, which is why I've written a book about it. I do have a passion for sharing my insider secrets with readers because most people writing on culture are outsiders. So of course they have a a great perspective to add as journalists or academics or management consultants, but I've had this insider perspective where I know what really produces faster change with less noise when it comes to culture because I've been in charge of culture for the past 20 years as the executive in charge of making transformation happen. So I'm not so much wanting a consulting gig, but I'm wanting to share my insider secrets with people who maybe are struggling with, well, how do you change culture? Because it's so nebulous and it's so soft and fluffy and I can't really get a handle on what it is and how you, how you um, make it happen. So that's really where the angle I'm coming at it from, not so much wanting to convince CEOs, please hire me, but more 
um, wanting to share back to my parents' story. How do I, you know, how do I make a difference in the world? How do I leave people with some of the learnings that I've had as a CHRO and as the executive in charge of transformation? Now, if you had to take a random guess, and there's no way you're going to get it wrong because I don't know the answer. How many books on culture do you think there are in the world out there right now? Thousands. <laughs> I agree. Thousands, thousands. <laughs> now, I know you're not trying to sell consulting services, but you might be trying to sell books. And there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people that are in this same space. And your ability to communicate the same thing that they're all trying to communicate, but in a way that's compelling could make the difference between you making a difference in people's lives because people actually pick up your book or read your blog or subscribe to what you're doing. So for people who are in a company, there's still an extreme amount of power to be able to communicate the problem that you solve for people outside of that so that you can grow your own influence and you can build a platform so that you can help and serve more people. It's, it's not always about sales. Totally. Makes sense to me. Are you finding yourself bored at home looking for something to do? Well, I have a great suggestion for you. Read a great book. And that book could be my book, Ditch the Act. It is an exercise experience example and shows real life benefits of being more human. Now, more than ever before, is a chance for you to get outside of your comfort zone and start to explore what it looks like to build a personal brand one that's authentic, and one that's intentional. You can find Ditch the Act on Amazon or as an Audible book. Visit ryan.online or ditchtheact.com to learn more and get your copy. Okay, so there's a great transition. You really painted that scene with the blowing willow trees about what you do inside the company. So the next question, which might be deceivingly easy, is can you now tell me in one sentence your solution? That is tricky. Uh, the solution. And, and, and here, here's, the, here's the only, the only, like, the only buzz, the buzzer worthy concept. <laughs> and, and it might be a delayed buzz because the only quote unquote requirement or framework in this question is tell me what your solution is, don't tell me how your solution works. And I'll explain the importance okay. of that. So okay. one sentence, what do you do? Uh, well, like, what, what is your solution? Okay, so the solution in my book is a four-step process called the culture disruptor, which disrupts the dysfunctional patterns in your culture and helps you create a workplace that delivers, grows, and adapts. Okay. I do. <laughs> how do you, how how do you feel? You didn't get a buzzer. It's not not an immediate buzzer. But how do you feel about that? How did that feel coming off off the tongue? Uh, I think the process has helped me to get sharper about it. Uh, I wouldn't have thought coming into this conversation that I would come up with that answer. So okay. certainly okay. enabled me to get sharper in my thinking. Okay. So here's here's the sixty seven million dollar question because it used to be sixty seven thousand inflation, right? <laughs> Does that solution that you said, does that solve the problem that you're solving? 
Yes. So the four steps will get you to the right culture if you follow the four steps. Okay. And it's so amazing how many people have a solution that doesn't inherently solve the problem that they stated. So it's most important that there's that match. We forget that we're so close to our business. We see it through our own lens, as you said, that we understand it through and through. But when somebody is new to it, the word culture might stir all kinds of emotions and preconceived notions and cognitive dissonances. And then when you tell them the solution, if it doesn't very tangibly solve that problem, they're, they're still not with you. Mm. And so your answer to my question, yes, was really clarified when you said these four steps help you to make the right cultural fit. I'm like, that's your solution. So <laughs> you, you, were, you were a bit, you know, you went on. It was a compound sentence, which is fine. But afterwards, you sold me at the fact that these four steps, I have a four-step program or whatnot, or my book outlines a four-step program. And those four steps will solve that problem. Sometimes we forget how, how valuable it is to just have these direct correlations. This is the problem. These four steps will solve it. Oh, yes. what's your book so called again? Helpful. What's that's your book so again? <laughs> <laughs> that's really helpful. And yeah, because I see myself as an insider and these four steps, I've sort of distill them from the past 30 years working in workplace culture and hadn't really thought about it that clearly before that that is the solution I sort of talked around it but uh, okay but I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna strategically interrupt you again because you just said a word that you didn't include in your first or second explanations what do you think that word was insider yep and you, you verify that with 30 years, before we ask you this question, you lit up about your differentiation in terms of being inside a company as an actual practitioner, not somebody from the outside. So I'd love to see that included in the solution, as in it's a very insider solution. It's, it's a- Insider secrets. Yeah, insider secrets, which are laid out in four steps, which I cover in my mm. book, that- not guarantee, but that systematically over 30 years have time and time again worked to solve the problem of the wrong cultural fit in low that's performing teams or something like that. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's of the thousands of authors that are culturally out there, I would say thousands of them are just, pre they're, they're not in, they're too busy speaking about culture or researching culture or being hired as a one-off for consulting on culture. Yes. And I did that myself for a decade. I worked at Accenture and PricewaterhouseCoopers and I flew in and out of hundreds of workplaces across four continents. And then after a decade, I was standing at Chicago's O'Hare International Airport in the freezing cold. And I sort of hit a U-turn. I hit a wall in my career and I thought, I want more skin in the game. You know, I just need to make more of a difference rather than this flying in and out. So at that stage, I decided to move into an insider role as the executive in charge of culture change in a, 
in a bank in Australia called ANZ, and we we undertook a remarkable seven-year turnaround that transformed it from the lowest performing bank in the country to one of the highest performing and best regarded banks in the world over a seven-year period. And then I went on to other key roles like that. But I think that is the distinction I bring because I've actually stood, you know, side by side with the leaders. I've rolled up my sleeves. I've tested the theory. You just, you just rolled up your sleeves before you said <laughs> roll up your sleeves, by the way. By the yeah, way, just, you're like, yeah, you're, you rolled up your sleeves. You're like, I have rolled up my sleeves. That was awesome. Okay. So I, I really, I really uh, am glad that you're seeing this as I am, because this is just what I'm seeing. Mm. But I want to make a, a distinction between two questions what you do and how do you do what you do and what i find is that someone will ask you what do you do but instinctively we give an answer that is different we're not telling people what we do we see the question as an opportunity to tell them how it all works and if you if you look back at the last two minutes you really like you opened up and you gave these examples and you rolled up your sleeves and you told me how you have this experience that you have. You basically told me how you have the breadth of knowledge that deserves to be in a book. But if you would have started with that, you could have easily overwhelmed me. You could have easily, I, I could have tuned mm. out just because you were just talking too much. Mm. And so if you can tighten up the, what do you do? Imagine they go, so what do you do? And you tell them like, what I do is over 30 years, I've created four steps that, fix, that fixes the problem of culture change and then stop talking. And it's yeah. like the, the most awkward silence ever. And if they're interested, they will look at you and go, hmm, how does that work? T tell me a little bit more. And then you go into your storytelling. Because again, like the, the imagery and, and the, the scene that you said in the airport and this and fly, like you're a great storyteller. But if you just tell a story, people might think you're overwhelming them or you're not getting to the yes. brass tacks. So yes. you give them what and wait for them and they will ask you, how did you come up with this? And you're like, well, it all started 30 years ago, in fact. And now they've asked yeah, you helpful. permission to give them that information. Yeah. So the insider concept, um, you might even, you, you could probably drop the 30 years in there or the insider yeah. could like a deep, you know, something there. But I think that the components are there really thinking it through could just in a shorter amount of time have people lean in and then that's where you're yeah. able to to bring them into your office essentially yeah that's really helpful so rather than a push it's a pull they yeah. they ask for more information. I think of it, it it just made me think of like if somebody comes by your office and they ask you a quick question and you come to the door and you answer the question and then you go back to your desk and if they get the information, they'll be like, oh, that was exactly what I needed, and they'll move. But if they get it and they're like, they're like, tip, 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 tip. they walk in and they're like, can, can you go, go, tell me a little bit more about that? Right? The act yeah. of being like, that's, you want to know what I do? I solve culture matches in four simple steps. You turn away, walk away, tip, 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 and they're like, please tell me more. Right? Okay. So again, as you see, it takes a while to kind of dissect and, and dig these through. And we're really only through the first two sentences of the first three sentences. But I promise mm. this work makes the next two easy. Mm. So the third question is, who is your target market? 
And the only parameters that are buzzworthy are using the A word or the E word. You're not allowed to use either of those. If you do that, I'll hit the buzzer. What's the A word? Well, uh, it might rhyme with anyone. You want to <laughs> you want to take a guess at the E word? Everyone. Ding ding ding! There you go. The biggest mistake okay. I find people make when they explain their market is that they. It's so funny. Time and time again, they go anyone who or everybody who and i'm like in a half of a second i can come up with a thousand people that are not and so it discredits so the okay. exercise Target market mm -hmm. would be leaders at all levels so any manager at any level <laughs> leaders just just hold on just 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 let's take a second <laughs> i said don't use anyone or everyone and you said all managers at all levels. I didn't levels. say all, I just said leaders. Okay, <laughs> Lead, but you said leaders at all levels. But that is true. It's it's any uh, uh, leader uh, I, at any level. <laughs> I, I wholeheartedly disagree with you that your book is not for every single leader in every single role in every single company. I push back on that. Half the people don't read books. The other half couldn't even, don't even care. The other half um, are so far down in their thought process that even if they were forced to read a book, they, they wouldn't even do anything with it. So like, there's gotta be a mentality. There's gotta be a stage of the business. There's gotta be a sweet spot that is most ideal. The people that are gonna buy your book, maybe they'll refer it to secondary markets and be like, I read this book, you have to read this book. I don't read books. You have to read this book. Mm -hmm. I don't read books. Fine. I see what you're saying. Are they progressive managers? Are they managers six months from losing their job? Are they, like, what are some parameters? Yes. Yeah. So I think they are, I think they're managers. Well, I say leaders because everybody has the potential to be a leader, but they are leaders who feel that their business has more potential or their business is not operating optimally, that there's some. Okay. Okay, I'm going to stop you there because, because I push back and I said it's not for leadership at all levels. And you just now said it is not for all of them. It is for people who are, are realizing that they have these problems. Yes. So there somebody is who's, somebody whose company is subset. kicking ass. Somebody whose company who has awesome culture and they have no issues. They don't have issues with... Uh, the tools, the technology, the the delivery, the growth, the the adaptation—they're like, they're not your client. So there's yes. there's a perfect example. Again, I know I sound harsh, and I am, but I'm smiling because I'm being nice about it. If you use the word anyone or everyone, it's very easy to make it seem like you are not for everyone and not for anyone. You don't want to be seen as a generalist. You want to be like, no, 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 no. I have a very particular person that I can make a difference with. I can change the trajectory of a company with the right leader. And that leader needs to be cognizant of the fact that they have a six month runway or they, that leader has to identify and recognize if they don't adapt, they will become supplantation. They will become Nima Marcus. They will become all these companies. So I'm looking for people who are seeing that the end of the road is there. Like what does that person look like? And they're the ones that are looking for your solution because, wait for it, 
they have your problem. I mean, the problem that you solve. Yes. So that's really helpful. So that's a subset of leaders who really want to up the ante on delivery growth or adaptation within their companies. A secondary market are HR professionals who are advising these leaders. And then a third market are change consultants who are wanting to be able to advise their clients about making work, um, about making better workplaces through culture transformation. Okay. So there's three sub-markets, I think. Okay. So if you had to order those sub-markets in Russian dolls, it seems like you did it in reverse order. You have the, the, big, the bigger one are these consultants who are essentially consulting uh, HR teams and leaders, right? Then you have HR leaders who are consulting leaders. And then you yes. have leaders who are trying to make the decision to hire a consulting firm or to leverage their HR department, right? Yeah, so they could decide they just want to read a book and figure out their role in culture change because really culture change is leader-led is one of my big things. You've got to step into your culture change role. You can't delegate it to HR. You can't delegate your role to an external uh, consulting firm. But those are your markets, you said. Three different markets, yes. So again, so again I'm, just, I'm, I'm getting real granular, picky-picky here. But what I like is that those three markets are connected to where I believe you could say there is a particular subset of leaders that I like to work with. They are the leaders, HR managers, and change consultants. Change consultants. So yeah, a particular leaders. subset of leaders who are impacted by these culture consultants in particular, who are trying to guide those HR managers all in an effort to help influence that progressive leader who sees that there's immediate need for cultural change to combat delivery growth and adjustment or something, right? Like there's mm -hmm. a way to make yeah. it like you're actually going smaller and smaller. Sure, the, the, the culture change consultants, like, this book would be helpful because then they could teach the HR and then the mm. HR could then impact the leader or at least give the leader your book or the leader yes. could just get the book. So at yes, the end of the it day, can start anywhere along those three, it can, it can start, it can be triggered. Exactly. And, it, and if you said that to me, change consultants, HR managers and progressive leaders within companies that know that they're, their ships falling apart or whatever you want to phrase it. Mm, mm. I personally can probably think of people who I know that might be a change consultant. Makes me think of people who are HR managers that might be afraid of losing their job because the company might be going mm. wrong or mm. leaders who are now in a post COVID-19 world totally screwed because they don't know what to do. So the difference between that specificity and you saying all leaders at all levels mm, yes, there's no way yes. anybody came to mind you no I, I didn't think of one person when you said leaders at all levels it's like i that just hurts my brain to think about that it's a data yes, query that just forward forward. in my brain yes that's really helpful now what if what if for an example what if you also added in the filter that it was these forward-thinking leaders 
that traveled over 100,000 miles in the air each year. What, so explain your thinking? No, but like if, and here's just an example of like yet another filter. So you have experience traveling around the world. You understand the stresses that come along with that. You have particular insight of 30 years from inside and outside and all around of, of what culture looks like. And if you're dealing with somebody who doesn't travel as a leader and somebody who travels 50 to 100,000 miles a year, traveling all over the world, representing their company in all these capacities, the difference between those two people, somebody who flies a whole bunch and somebody who doesn't, totally narrows it that much more. That means yes, that they might... But, yeah, but they don't necessarily have to... Like, you can have a small retail business with 20 stores and be based in California and not really have traveled at all, but you're sort of thinking my stores aren't growing revenue enough. We're only growing at 1%. I think we've got double digit revenue growth capacity, but we're just not meeting customer needs. We're not going digital fast enough. We're not having that customer care that I really want. How do I get my business to get to double digit growth? I want to move from 20 stores to 40 stores within three years. I need a different culture. I need a culture that can be more entrepreneurial, more customer centric, and just more driven and accountable. There's a book, it's called The Insider's Guide to Culture Change. Well, what could I get from that? You know, maybe I could give it to my HR person so she can read it. Um, maybe I can have a chat with my change advisor. So, you know, it's that, that hunger to be able to develop a business that can deliver, grow or adapt. That's what you need. Okay. So I'm glad that you went on that tangent because you literally got more and more specific about that characteristic, the personality, the, the hunger, the, all these things of that person. And so you could pick and choose one or two of those words. The word hunger came out. They are hungry for it. Just something like that could be a filter mm. that adds on. Forward thinking leaders who are hungry for, like, again, so I, and, I, and I'm, just, I'm, I'm just trying to tease out, and I threw out the airline thing because it made you react adversely. And you say, no, no, they don't have to necessarily fly. Well, great. So that's not a good filter, but a filter of being hungry. Yes, yes, might I get be. it. Yes. So what are the finer distinctions that can... What is the, what is the mindset? This person wakes up, they're a human. They, they brush their teeth like everybody does. And what are they thinking about in the shower that stresses them out? Or are they just ambitious? Or are they are they? Frightful? Yeah, they like, might be frustrated. They mm -hmm. might be... I've put in a new IT, a new finance system. I've put in a new performance management system. I've given everybody KRAs and objectives and I'm still not getting to the double digit growth that I need. I'm still not getting good customer feedback. What's going wrong? And that is where usually with that ongoing persistent noise, it's a culture problem. Yep. And so, so you, you, you have so, so many filters it's not about just memorizing a, a target market sentence. It's about being comfortable with taking a risk and going, you know, I, I am not for everyone. This book is actually not for everyone. And as soon as you say that, people are going to look it up and be like, why isn't this book for me? <laughs> like just inherently the takeaway, when you walk away from that doorway back to your desk, people want to follow you. Because if you're talking to them, telling them what they want, they're, they're not listening to you. So I really feel like there's a great, great discussion in there of a, a customer avatar searching and you know them 
but you have to be confident enough to like put your flag in the ground and say, those are my ideal customers, mm, right? Your market, very helpful. your market potential is leaders in all positions. Yes, I really get that. That's such a helpful distinction because coming into this conversation, I had this assumption that all leaders need to be educated around culture change. But what you're there's saying, natural selection actually, with with yeah, leaders. <laughs> that actually dis um, it sort of uh, detracts from it in the way because as soon as you say it's for everybody, it's for nobody. So that's a, such a helpful distinction for me. Well, good. Now you know the A word and E word, and you'll probably never forget it. Never. But, that's so helpful. But be very careful about using it in other contexts. Whenever you go extreme, like all, or I'm never going to, like never say never again, there's a reason for that because you're setting yourself up for failure because I can poke a hole in it with just one single example. And there are leaders who just don't think that they have time to read books. And like, that's not your client then. That's, that's not. Maybe it's yeah. people who are, avid readers and they know that they could get this book and get those four steps. Yeah. And, and you're right. And it sort of, I love your methodology because it ties back up to our first, the first level of our conversation. This book is for leaders who want to deliver more, who want to grow faster and who want to adapt more quickly in turbulent times. If that's but, you. But, but, and yes, exactly. But if you look at what you just did there, you flipped it back to what, you do what they want to do. But if what we really talked about was the opposite of that, that this is for people who don't have the delivery methods, who don't mm. have the customer service and who don't have those things. Cause inherently we go back and we justify what we're doing. Ah, uh, yes. So it's the opposite of that who are struggling with yes. being a more performance driven, agile, and growth enabled culture if they're struggling with that. Yes, exactly, exactly. And then I'm like getting, you know, like goosebumps right now because if you have that kind like if you're saying you're helping people grow and you're doing this, you sound like you're selling. Mm. But if you in conversation yes. like friends and friends, you're like, it's not really what I do. Like there's thousands of people that try to do cultural stuff, but I'm focused on a particular problem. Yeah. And yeah, I just want like I'm not and then focus on engagement, for example, there's lots of people talking about employee engagement and psychological safety and diversity and inclusion. Yeah, that's a subset that's not really my thing. Mine is more around delivery, growth and, and adaptation. Mm, no, again, your thing is more about helping people who don't have delivery. Struggling with that. Yes. Struggling yes. with adaptation. And right now in a COVID-19 world, that makes people's ears perk because yes, they are struggling it. with it. So there's a yes. power of checks and balances, right? The problem is something that you should solve. The market is somebody who has the problem and the market has to be able to have your solution solve their problem. And somebody might be a consultant who is on the bandwagon going around town and they can go into the company, but that's, that's not what you're doing. You're just, you're providing them a book. It's like, here you go. Okay. I, I feel like we got, we got deep into the weeds there, but I think it was good yeah, stuff. Yeah, good no, weeds. that was very helpful. Helpful distinctions. Really good. Okay. So congratulations. You now have the ability to explain what you do in three sentences. The, the, the problem happens when there's not the right culture 
resulting in less than ideal delivery, you know, negative growth and a resistance to adaptation kind of thing. There's a problem somewhere there. Yeah. Yeah. Your, yeah. your solution is a 30 year look as an insider at all levels of culture to come up with four rules, steps, what is it? Steps, yes. Four steps to fix culture specifically to improve delivery, rebound growth, and create resiliency or something like that. Yeah. And your market, because you're not for everybody, is for progressive, hungry, passionate leaders who see the writing on the wall, yet their HR and the change consultants that would be normal solutions don't seem to be fixing the problem. I don't know. I just, I just, just met you, right? I know, yeah. I know yeah. about you, me, Ireland, and, and now your problem market solution. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, it could be a progressive, you know, leaders who are passionate about making a change and their, and their advisors who consult to them, you know, so that's, um, it's probably. Yeah. And no, no. And, and maybe instead of change, you put your mom and dad's word of make a difference. And that stitches in everything that you're about. Yeah. It's leaders who want to make a difference but can't seem to push past delivery, growth, and these other things that are holding them back. And then it truly aligns with like, you know, it, it justifies your parents' struggle in the first place to give you the yeah. ability to frolic in the river or pond or lake. Yeah. Although that was probably pretty cold. <laughs> it was. It was okay. But that's... um. Yeah, I like how all of that flows. I like how it ties in together and goes back to my parents' mantra of make a difference. So that's which really has been the guiding purpose of my my whole career. Okay. I and and there and it all stitches for a reason because usually what we're looking for is right in front of our face. <laughs> we look right past it. Yeah. So we have the three sentences. Now we want to have the one sentence. And the good news is. It's only mathematics because if you truly identify the single problem, which is at this point, the culture fit, right? Mm. Don't mm. worry about the sub problems at this level. It's the single one. Your solution is this insider four step method or a book with four steps. That's something And your target market are these struggling or subset of leaders who are passionate to make a difference, but don't know how to fix a, a sinking ship, something. Mm, right? mm. Those are three elements that individually, like we've even narrowed them down to just like, just those nuggets, right? So let's do a little bit of math. If you have three items, an apple, an orange, and a bag of M&Ms, and they're lying on the table, how many ways can you rearrange them and create a new lineup? For example, an apple, an orange, and an M&M's is one way. And then you switch two of them, and now there's another way. So how many different ways do you think you can organize three items to where they're unique? If you get it wrong, I'll give you the right answer. Mm, no idea. Um, three, let's say nine. Three threes are nine, just out of... 
It's okay. I, I actually thought it was that for a long time too, but take the nine <laughs> and flip it. It's a six. And mathematically, mm. it's a factorial. So three items, if you want to figure out how many combinations, it's three factorial, which is an exclamation point, And it's three times two times one. If there was four items, it'd be four times three times two times one. And that's how many different combinations. Okay. okay. So if instead of an apple, an orange, and, a, and an M&M's, if it was the problem, solution, and the market, P, S, and M, how many ways could we combine those three elements? Six. Okay. See, spot on. And the oranges. Yeah. So literally. Six options. So what we've done here is that you have six options based on three things. I solve this problem by doing this for these people. One. I solve this problem for these people by doing this. There's two. These people have this problem. Here's how I solve it. Three. Mm. These people need my solution to this problem. And I don't need to go on, but there's mm. only so many combinations, right? Mm. So now in one sentence, you can do a high level and you just choose, you just do the three things in whatever order makes sense. Mm. So, so just for an example here, and, and, and I'll, I'll do the example so you don't have to worry about it. Choose a combination of the three letters P, S, and M. It doesn't matter which order. You have six options. P, M, S. All right. And funny story, when I started this, uh, it was actually called the PMS. And uh, I had a few ladies that came up to me after a presentation in front of three people in the Ronald Reagan room at uh, like this historic <laughs> hotel. And they're like, I think you need to change your name. And then uh, <laughs> I did. And it ended up becoming the 313 because of the results and, and students at a university that I work at were saying, have you been 313? I'm like, what is that? Like three sentences? I'm like, oh, so it became 313. But yes, PMS. I'm going to say, this is the problem that these people have. And here's what I do to solve it. So when companies realize that they can't, deliver, grow, or adjust because of culture issues, those leaders who are progressive in looking for solutions would find my insider four-step method to culture fix as a way to solve the company's problem. I know that was a little rough. I know Bingo. it was a little rough. <laughs> No, that was great. <laughs> right? As, I, as I'm like roboting through it or whatever. But you could become my marketing person. <laughs> and speaking of that shocked. real quick, um, if you did have a, a team, if you had a team, you could go through this exercise with them and they could find ways that they could communicate this while still staying on message that they're communicating. It's the same problem, the same market and solution, but like with their own little personal spin or their experience with it. Because I yeah. go to these companies with thousands of employees and I'll ask like, oh, hey, do you work here? Great. Like, what does this company do again? Uh, 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 oh, do you work here? What, what do you guys do? Right? And imagine, so I hold these workshops and trainings where the employees can say, well, we, we solve one of the biggest problems that companies have. What's that? Culture fit. When it's not right, can't deliver, can't do this, can't adapt. Oh, interesting. So what do you actually do? 
this whole building is based on four principles from, <laughs> from mm -hmm. one book or something. Yeah, like that. that's very powerful. Very powerful. Because it takes a lot of training meetings to get people to understand what the company does and how to articulate it. But when push comes to shove, they don't have the bumpers and they don't know what to do. And they just, uh, 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 I, I don't want to talk about it. I'm busy. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. Very powerful. So you have three sentences, then you have one sentence, six different versions of it. And the yeah. final, and, and you know, we might have to come back for a whole nother show on just the third part, but <laughs> to get your business in three words, it's really just finding two different things that have a metaphor or analogy that gets people to get the essence of what you do. So I'm, let me, let me think here. And I haven't thought of this before, but you kind of, well, let's, let's actually, because it's your book, let's do this for your book. So if your book was a superhero, what superhero would it be? Like a transformer. I thought you were going to say crocodile hunter. <laughs> I'm like, this book is like the crocodile hunter for your something like for your culture or, so, you know, <laughs> But you have, we have these strong brand halos. So um, mm -hmm. if, if your book, what is something that, uh, that comes in and shows you like a simple process? I'm like, my book is like an owner's manual, right? It's kind of like an owner's manual. Like if there's anything wrong with your car, you can go to your owner's manual, right? Yes, yes. So, so yes. think of this book as an owner's manual of... Your culture. Yeah, your company culture. There you go. Yeah. Now, technically, yeah. it's not three words, okay? But I'm not worried about that. In its purest yeah. form, maybe yeah, it could yeah. have been the Batman of culture. You know, your book is like the Batman of culture, or it's like, it's definitely not a blood diamond of something, right? You, you, can, you can see what it is and isn't. Yeah, so it's yeah. It's not about the three words. It's about two things connected. So, um, mm. yeah, I've got this book. Um, think about it as kind of like an owner's manual for your company culture workplace culture yeah workplace culture uh yeah that's very helpful i like that owner's manual because you can delve into it and you can sort of figure it out and fix it yourself and that's what i, I love about it because you don't necessarily need you know a whole team of expensive consultants coming in you can you can flick through it and find your answer so that's okay very, very so, so a couple couple of things came to mind you have owner's manual which you like what if it was the yeah. instruction manual of company culture? Little different. Okay, think on it. Yeah. What about yeah. what about the Bible of company culture? Maybe that's a oh, little that's aggressive. Interesting. Yeah, because somebody okay. called it that in an Amazon review the other day. They said it was the Bible. Talk about brand haloing a successful piece <laughs> of literature, right? <laughs> okay, what what about this? What about this? What about a coloring book? for company culture is is there a really a do-it-yourself i mean coloring books you everything's there mm. but it takes somebody to fill it in and color it like it, there's an activeness to it right like yes, you have to participate yes. what if it's yeah. like an adult coloring book for company <laughs> culture <laughs> and then and then we can work together and i'll do a stick figure no content low content oh, book that reinforces they are so cool i love your drawings all of those, they're, they're so um, creative and they conjure up an image of exactly what I want, which is like, I can't 
I'm a CHRO and I'm very passionate about what I do. I can't go into every company and help the leaders to fix and create the right culture. So I'm saying, here's the book. Here's my insider secrets. Here's what I've learned. Over to you now and hope you, you make it work with your consultants and your HR people and um, good luck yeah, with but, it. But I'm going to stop you again because if you took that exact same thing that you said, but flipped it because you still said, I want to help you do this. I want to help you do this. I want to help you do this. If you flip it and say, this book will solve this problem, it'll address this issue. It, like It's literally the, the, the flip side of the same thing. If you listen to what you said, you were like, mm. I'm here to give you this book to help you do this, to help you do that, to help you do this. Nobody wants your help. They want to solve their problems. Yes, yes. Now, what if this is the employee handbook of company culture? Mm. What if this is the, I don't know if you're in a video, maybe if it's an e-tech company or a gaming company, it's like the cheat code for company culture because it really is a yes. cheat code. It's the secret password of company culture. Yes. It's well, a combination. It's, it's the combination. <laughs> so do you see how you can just like, once you understand, you can like yes. get crazy with it. But the name of the book, interestingly, is The Insider's Guide to Culture Change. So it's a travel guide for company culture. Totally. And, and it's not about having one or another. It's about hearing it and going totally. That's, yeah. that's it. And it yeah, lets people make that connection. Everybody has held a travel book. Everybody understands a travel book. You don't have to convince them. It's where to go, what to do, and you get to take the options. So this is kind of like a travel guide for your own company or for your employees yes. or for culture. Yes, very helpful. How you go on that journey of twists and turns and end up in the right place with the with your problem solved. Cause okay, because you've you've been on <laughs> trips, you've been on trips that are too expensive, uh, underperform, uh, you have a miserable time, or maybe you get stuck in the middle of somewhere that you didn't want to when a pandemic happens. Like, like there can be bad things on that journey. So just like you need a travel guide of somebody who's traveled the country for 30 years. I can be your shaman of cultural yes. change. Now that's yes. you. You're the shaman or you're the tour guide, right? Yes. You just show yes. them. So again, if you're listening, I think we totally forgot about our listeners because we're just like we totally. We were so excited. <laughs> but that's the, that's, that's the three words. So if you really yeah, put the work in to, very helpful. to going past the obvious and, and framing things in terms of the problem solution market, mathematically, you can squeeze it down. And then metaphorically, you can expand it back out again. Very helpful. I'm like, exactly. I'm exhausted, but in a good You're way. You're exhausted. Like, You've done all the hard work here helping me to get to the essence of what is it that uh, <laughs> am I going to solve? And yeah, solve but did you just, okay, I'm happy because you, you almost said to the essence of what I do and you stopped yourself and you said to the essence of the problem, the problem. that I solved. Yes, I've reframed my, my whole thinking because of this conversation. Awesome. Well, I, I can, oh, I think uh, I can, I can help. Yeah, and I can feel better now about you helping people to do what your parents initially wanted you to do, and it all comes full circle. So it it's does. exciting. It's not a book. It's exciting. It's, it's solving a problem. Like, that's why. Why do, you, why do you buy this book? Because you have this problem. And that book yes. will solve that problem. Solve that problem. 
and then they hire you for forty thousand dollars to go speak at the next conference and like that's just bonus right <laughs> that's a bonus <laughs> <of the> pay. <laughs> very all right well helpful. thank you ryan <laughs> well you're very, very welcome amazing methodology and just the the the, the finer distinctions as you go through each of those layers incredibly useful to think it through and so interesting i've written a whole book and i still sort of because i'm so close to it i still found this extraordinarily helpful and what's fun for me is to is to use this as an exercise and now you and i would have some real specific things that we could work on and when you tie in how that messaging interacts with you and your brand and your personal brand, then it's really taking it to the next level. So it's not really just about the book. The book is one of like 10 books you're going to write, but it's you. You're the one that's solving the problem. There's solution one, there's solution two, there's solution three, but it's a way to tease out how to position the messaging to best serve your personal brand. So that's, I get excited about it. Yeah, it's very helpful. I really appreciate you talking, walking me through it and being my coach and helping me to tease out those, uh, the problem, the solution and the market. And the final challenge for you is now you can take these things, the problem, the solution, the market, as we've defined and use them as filters for your website, as filters for your social media strategy, as filters for your content creation. Does this piece of content articulate the problem that I'm solving? Does it speak to the market? And does it clearly identify what my solution is and how it works or something thereof? Because I find we create content that doesn't talk about the problem, that doesn't address the market, and it doesn't include our solution. And then our energy and our efforts invested aren't as aligned or as sharp. And we end up doing more work and having less impact as a result. So. Mm. Oh, wonderful. I, I bought your book, Ditch the Act, and I've read it, but you've just brought it to life so much more powerfully in this conversation for me, Ryan. Thank you so much. Thank you, Siobhan, for truly fighting your way through the 313 Challenge. I had a lot of fun going toe-to-toe. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another 313 Challenge. And if you're curious to work with me or see how you deal with the 313, I challenge you. You can visit ryan.online forward slash 313me and you can apply to be on the show. You can also keep up with every single 313 challenge by subscribing on your favorite app, leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and you can also find us on Good Pods. Connect with me on social media. I'm easy to find. Follow the 313 challenge. It just might blow your mind. Until next time, keep it simple.